Thanks. I think this was an excellent overview of the uh, Bigger Change Faster report, and I hope that you will all go to the website and download the report and read the details that really support um, the selection of the challenges and also the selection of the interventions. So now I'd like to introduce uh, uh, Dr. Catherine Kreis. She's the Director of Strategic Initiatives and the Lead for Nutrition Innovation at PATH. And she's also a Secretariat member of the Bridge Collaborative. And she'll talk about one of the uh, transforming food system case studies. Thank you very much. Please, Catherine. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for taking the time to um, come today. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about one of the programs that we're working on under the rubric of the Bridge Collaborative that's really looking at improved food systems and particularly related to alternative proteins and even more specifically to cultured proteins. Um, we, uh, we received a very generous grant from the Rockefeller Foundation to look at this, but we wanted to do it under the rubric of the Bridge Collaborative. So we're actually working with um, the um, International Food Policy Research Institute, Duke University, and um, the Nature Conservancy as well as PATH to um, put together a, a new way of thinking and testing this model in a more comprehensive way. Um, these new pr uh, production technologies uh, are for complete proteins. So those that are usually found in animal source foods. And we know that this is really important, and I'm sure you've seen this slide a million times, but we're really facing um, huge increases in demand for animal source foods, um, incomes that are rising, urbanization, and, um, uh, and uh, other reasons are really um, driving that demand. And from a nutrition perspective, we're very interested in how we can improve the quality of diets as well as increasingly we're finding information out about um, consumption of animal source proteins and what that does for human growth and development. So a very interesting cross-sector look at this as we're also thinking about that in the context of um, greenhouse gases uh, and um, agriculture and land use um, and, and water use in particular. So our goal uh, with this piece of work is really to assess the extent to which cultured proteins, particularly egg and dairy, can play a meaningful role in supporting global nutrition in a more sustainable way relative to um, proteins that are produced through traditional agricultural practices. And we're hoping to use the results then to inform the global community about how these emerging innovations will um, include recommend, um, innovations, sorry, about these emerging innovations, and we're going to have also uh, recommendations on how their uptake might influence and contribute to global health and sustainable development moving forward. So just to do a little level setting, what the heck are cultured proteins anyway? Um, cultured proteins are cellular, or cellular agriculture is the, is the production of agricultural products from cell cultures. So, uh, so cultured proteins are proteins that are produced uh, in the way that we've produced enzymes and even some vaccines for decades. You basically take a GMO uh, modified gene from a, a chicken or a cow or whatever your, um, whatever animal you, you want to kind of get their proteins from. You use a, an organism, a microflora, a yeast or a, a fungi. Uh, you insert that in there. You put it in like brewing beer. Um, and you feed it to sugar, and then you get these purified proteins. You spin the catalyst out, so there is no GMO in the final product, uh, but you, it is, a GMO is used as a catalyst. So I sort of like to refer to these as the PHARM farm-raised as opposed to the FARM farm-raised. 
um, just to sort of give people a sense of, of uh, how we're thinking about this. It's really, again, the same process that's used for producing um, many other household goods and medicines, uh, most, most notably food enzymes. So just to give you a sense of this, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but we have um, four different components of this. It, it ranges from a market landscape uh, to look at the uh, market for milk and egg proteins, uh, the enabling environment, looking at how these, these uh, might be um, used in different uh, settings, a producing country, a consuming country, a procuring country, um, and then impact modeling on health, agriculture, and, um, and environment, and then looking at a car developing a carbon offset model. Uh, we had just finished up, or in the process of finishing up, uh, the first uh, two objectives. So one was to conduct a market landscape assessment, as I said, and, and a market analysis. Um, we, I won't go through the methods, but we did a very, <laughs> a pretty rigorous methodology there. And then um, our initial findings are really related to um, the market for milk and egg, which is very large, um, and consumption varies dramatically um, by country income levels. So we're finding, for example, that high-income countries consume roughly six times more milk products per capita um, and nine times more eggs per capita than low-income countries. Uh, detailed dietary guidelines, government initiatives, school programs, marketing campaigns um, are all um, contributing to these higher rates of dairy consumption. Um, and milk is currently used as an ingredient in a small number of food aid products, uh, which is important for us as we're thinking about how we improve the diets of, of very vulnerable people. Um, and we think, we think there's probably the potential to expand the use of uh, milk and, and aid in, in food aid products. Um, sorry. Uh, in terms of a uh, second kind of big finding, the cultured protein market really is at a pivotal phase with products expected to launch early next year. So we're already seeing some of these products come onto the market uh, and what the implications will be for those initially is, is probably in high-income countries uh, in, for high-income consumers. They'll get their uh, they'll get their grass status or their, their policy regulatory environment sort of worked out and then they'll start expansion. Um, and then another finding was just sort of that most stakeholders had positive perceptions of, of cultured protein use um, in low and middle income settings, but they did que question whether cost reductions were actually feasible. So that sort of remains to be seen. Um, our second objective was looking at that enabling environment and really trying to figure out what that might look like uh, across a number of different countries. Uh, we, we looked at the United States, the European Union, and then two low and middle income geographies, India and Ethiopia. Again, uh, a pretty rigorous, rigorous methodology. Um, and the summary of those findings really are around um, the fact that the industry is rapidly evolving, so things are changing very quickly. Um, multiple potential regulatory pathways exist and will depend on the final products that are launched. So. Um, it's really changing very fast, and, and people really are not 100% sure how they're going to be looking, looking at that in, in different countries. And certainly that the GMO considerations um, are still very much an issue for people, and they, they vary widely by country. Um, the report is going to be coming out within the next sort of two to three weeks, and we've got a lot more detail. So if that's something you're interested in, please do take a look at that. And um, thank you so much.